Today on Arcade Fire Sings the Alphabet, Culture War. Welcome to this week's episode of Arcade Fire Sings the Alphabet. My name's Owen, and I'm here with Alex Pinday, and we're talking about Culture War today. How are you doing, Alex? I'm doing well. And I want to say, before we get started here, uh, we made something fun. So, as always, we want to try and involve you all as much as we can. So, if you go to our website, uh, which again is arcadefirealphabet.com, we have a polls tab at the top of the page. So, given that this is the last sea song, uh, sea song, we put <laughs> a poll where you can pick your top three songs A to C. And we'll leave it up for a month and a half, which is when we're going to get through the E's. So, again... ArcadeFireAlphabet.com, polls at the top of the page, or ArcadeFireAlphabet.com slash polls, and pick your top three songs. Also have an optional bit at the bottom if you want to justify your picks. Why are those your fave? What's your least fave? Whatever you want. Anyway, culture war. See, this is going to kill me. If I'm the type of person where I do a poll like this, I want to see instantaneous results, you know? Oh. And the fact that we're making them wait a month uh-huh. and a half, like... I guess it makes the reward worth more, you know? Yeah. Like at the end of the day, you're like, oh, since I waited for it, it makes me feel better. Well, I guess we'll probably we'll probably talk about this every episode, and if it kind of, if the results kind of plateau, maybe we'll do it earlier. But uh, right now, I feel like a month and a half. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so what's happening today, Owen? It's a really nice day again today. So what's happening today in regards to the podcast? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> we're, we're inside a small room in CITR Vancouver, BC right now. It's kind of well, cold in here. Yeah, it's a little cold, but it's really warm outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we can just go through the normal format or we can change it up, but I feel like if we're just going to go basic facts, do you want to hit us with some? Sure. This is one of two songs from the Suburbs Deluxe Edition. This and a song called Speaking in Tongues came out June 27, 2011 in the whole world except for our home and the States, where it came out on August 2nd, 2011, to coincide with the album's anniversary. Um, It had these two outtakes. The album had an extended version of Wasted Hours and the short film Scenes from the Suburbs and an 80-page booklet that's uh, pretty cool. And, you know, right now, I'm waiting for that Everything Now deluxe edition so I can buy another physical copy to go along with the Everything Now, Everything Now package I got with the day record, the night record, the day CD, the night CD, the cassette, and the two copies of the day CD that came from concert tickets. You are an example of everything yeah, they, now they, corporation they, that was like, making money. That, that was like, <laughs> oh, they got a package with all the stuff. Uh, I bet you win's laughing right now. He's like, yeah, these consumers, they keep yeah. buying our albums. And when I, when I first heard it, and like I was single in chemistry, that I was so off-put that it was like, oh, I already pre-ordered this. Got him. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm really curious to see what they cut out of chemistry. Like, what were the outtakes? Uh, sorry, cut out of everything yeah. now. I'm like, wait a second. You're so confident? Like, that's a bold prediction that they're going to redo <laughs> chemistry for the deluxe edition. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really curious. Um, and on that note, uh, one of the frequently asked questions we have, which we don't address often, is what happens if they release new material? Owen, want to take that? Yeah, so logically you'd think, oh, they released an E song. We haven't got to E yet. We'll just hit it at E. But we're not logical here at Arcade Fire Sings the Alphabet. So we wait. No matter what letter the song is, and if it's new material, we leave it to the very end. Let me go through it all at once. 
Yeah. So uh, once you once we get to you already know uh, the song. Not, not, we're not trying to be condescending and say if you're a true fan, you already know what the song is that's going to be last. You know, I, I hope someone likes these jokes, because I sure do. And I know if Wynn's out there, he's loving these. Like, Wynn, following your sense of humor, bud. Uh, our song, you already know, off the album The Suburbs, uh, we're the best. Uh, <laughs> the band, the band. <laughs> the so band, yeah, the band. After you already know, we'll review new songs. I, th- I think there'll be new ones in the next year and a half when we're done. Yeah. Okay. Um, for length, the song is 5 minutes and 14 seconds. Mm-hmm. From what I can tell, it's never been played live. Nope, never. Speaking in Tongues has a fair amount, but never this one. Well, Speaking in Tongues, how many times has it been played without David Byrne? I don't first know. With him? Well, we'll get to that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a long time ago. Long time from now. It's just like that song has a logical reason to play it if they're on stage with like David Byrne. But mm-hmm. like this one, I guess. Oh, there I have. Uh, we can get into why I think the logical reason. Okay. Um, because I think that this is an outtake and not a B-side. Um, I mean, well, yeah, I think it's te- technically it is. It's not a B side. It wasn't no, released. As the... No, but at the same time, like, say on the, yeah, uh, like I feel like speaking in tongues could have been a B side, but um, this is an outtake in the sense that like a fun song they recorded as well versus something they took off the album. All that being said, I feel like speaking in tongues could have been. Well, we'll get to that later. But this one specifically. Um, I think, like, Speaking in Tongues was recorded during the big Suburbs recording sessions. I, I think so. Don't know for sure. Basic facts. But I think that this one would have been recorded at the beginning. Um, that one of the very first. Because I think that this was, like, a first smattering of the, of the idea. Like, the culture war is very blunt compared to, like, the more nuanced and metaphorical idea. It's the same sort of thing of being at war with the Suburbs. You know, like, they mean the same sort of thing, but the suburbs is more universal and uh, more open. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, But the song also premiered internationally live on the Zane Lowe show on mm. BBC One. So if you haven't checked out Zane Lowe's interview with Wynn Butler. Yeah. That was the... <laughs> What's the last name? <laughs> yeah, again. It's oh, like, yeah, yeah. With Wynn for Butler? everything now. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, yeah, that, that, that was a pretty good interview, so... yeah. Um, do you want to talk about the scenes from the suburbs? Uh, do you want to leave it to the end? I've, I've got some more stuff to say, though. Okay. Um, you know, Wynn famously said about this album that it's neither a love letter to nor an indictment of the suburbs. It's a letter from the suburbs. I mean, nobody could put it better than that because it's him. But which is why I don't think this fits in with the album and why it's an outtake. Because I don't think I think this is much more writing to the suburbs. Like it's in first person. But I don't think it sounds like the narrator from the suburbs, um, which isn't necessarily how it always went on the album. But like the suburbs, the song is them reflecting on their past and using language that aligns with that. But I feel like this one uses words that the kids in the suburbs wouldn't have used and described it and align with the way they talk. Like the kids that are talking about riding their bikes to the nearest park aren't saying words like culture war, I don't think. Um I think that these words would have fit much better in a neon Bible too. Like this wouldn't have been good on neon Bible, but the kind of song. And it's interesting because musically, I think it, it fits right in with the suburbs. right? Yeah, but but lyrically. But lyrically, um, I agree. It, it, like it's a continuation of the tone of 
the neon Bible with that kind of angry and not that kind of nostalgia. Huh, you know, I can't really believe it. Yeah. Um, which I'll elaborate as we go. Okay. Uh, scenes from the, you want to talk about scenes of the suburbs? Yeah. I have some thoughts throughout, but as a whole. Yeah. So this is a whole. So that's uh, the Spike Jones film that was released a song alongside the deluxe edition here. It is about 20. I should have looked up the actual time. It's about 30 minutes. It's about 30 minutes. About 30 minutes, I want to say. I watched it yesterday. <laughs> I, I, I mean, you obviously watched it before. It's just like, it's mm-hmm. an update. Oh, yeah, I watched know. it again yesterday. Um, watch, watching the film, it kind of like, uh, what makes it so good, I think, is how well the songs are integrated into the film. Mm-hmm. It's kind of watching the film is, is like listening to the suburbs as an album, right? It's like two of the same. Like but how, I don't think it could repl- I, I don't think you oh. could listen, watch the film without knowing the album. Yeah. Yeah, but it's just like uh, when you're going through and there's a scene, it's like, oh, that was a really good use of that song. It's like as you're going through and the, yeah. that's what makes it pretty good. Um, and I also thought the acting by the teens is pretty good. Yeah, because weren't they, they never acted before, they were just kids. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> um, Whereas the cops, you know, the cops acting, that was really bad. Yeah, when Butler, I, <laughs> yeah. I, that's uh, cop one, Regina's cop two. Uh, yeah, I'm not even going to get into the bad jokes they make there. I, l- I love them, though. I love them coming from Wynn. Like, oh, and and uh, Richard Reed Perry as the Dairy Queen uh, uh, manager. Love manager. it. Anyway, I uh, want to get into the lyrics. Yeah, let's go for it. Uh, so, go yeah. for it. Now the future is staring at me like a vision from the past. And I know these crumbs they sold me. They're never going to last. Though we know the culture war, we don't know what it's for, but we've lived in the Southern strategy. You know that it's never going to last, so keep it in the past. Now, what do you think? This one's chock full of kind of like imagery and metaphors. Like, we talk about like, Wynn obviously as a lyricist, like he, he uses a lot of poetic language and it's like really well done, but I think this song especially kind of like, it's like, wow, like, this, I, I think there's a strong meaning behind the song. Like, maybe that has to do with like the angry neon Bible like kind of yeah. tone, but so it's like for me, like the culture war. I mean, obviously, it, it, it can, comes down to different, lots of different ideas, but ideas clashing, right? So my two is like the idea of conservatism versus like progressiveness. Conservative conservatism is this idea of like tradition and holding tradition and not changing, whereas kind of progressiveness is the idea of like you always constantly moving and moving forward. So mm-hmm. like when they clash, is like the southern strategy is this idea of like, you know, keeping tradition versus being progressive and arcade fire is obviously always try they're always trying to be on the cutting edge as a man. You know, they're always pushing themselves to be better, change yeah, the direction. Not content with they're not content with keeping being the same. Like keeping the sound the same too. So it's like a conservative band would just like make they're like, oh funeral is good, we're just gonna make funeral again, right? Yeah. But like they chose, no, I'm gonna go in a different direction, even if it's risky. Mm-hmm. So I think like that's in that way, it's just who they are as a band is kind of a culture war. But, I mean, obviously, I think that uh, as we go on, there's, like, m- more references to culture war and even religion in it. But. Yeah. Um, and with the Southern strategy, I think that's much more specific than what they ended up doing on the, on the, on the album. Because, like, the suburbs has lyrics that speak to everyone's suburbs. Yeah. Whereas this kind of, like, saying Southern strategy is very specific. And even though... Like, this comes from Win and Will's Woodlands, but most songs don't kind of explicitly say that. Uh, I, I agree. This is one of the more explicit of the songs yeah. from Suburbs. Which which is why I, I don't think that... Uh, and I think that this 
like the fact that they took this off starts. To, I mean, it, they've always been good writers, but it shows a sense of maturity that they can use specific imagery and details, but that's also ridiculously universal. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that when they say the crumbs they've sold me are parts of something great or some runoff, and you were saying like the conservatism of the previous generation, and they're saying that isn't as good as their progressiveness, and um, yeah, he's saying it's not going to work, um, and and the, you know very clearly the the culture war we're in conflict with what you want and what we want, and yeah, again I think it's better on the album with like suburban war or not not better but it's it fits in with the album theme much better when they talk about it more nuanced. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. These are different times that we're living in. These are different times. Now the kids are growing up so fast paying for our crimes. I'm going to stop here because this is a shift in the narrator. Like the paying for our crimes is like coming from the adults in the previous generation. But at the same time, like when they're saying that our Southern strategy is a crime, I think it's like this is the narrator speaking as they think the adults would speak. Because if this was the adults and they think what they're doing is a crime, they necessarily wouldn't be in the culture war because, you know, they, oh, yeah, what we're doing is wrong. You're right. But I think it's the narrator saying the narrator speaking for the adults. What do you think? I agree. It's definitely a shift because before it's like you're on the front lines and then now it's kind of a different perspective. Mm hmm. And yeah, keeping going, you left while I was sleeping. You said, it's down to me. Oh, I've read the little Bible. You see what you want to see. Oh, we know the culture war. We don't know what it's for. But we've lived your Southern strategy. You know it's never going to last. So keep your in the past. Yeah, this one, that's real. I like this verse. Because you can tell, I mean, like, it's interesting. Cause, so Win and Will were raised Mormon, right? That's a basic fact. E- yes. Okay, raised Mormon, and then win obvious win win got a degree in religious studies from. Uh, can, no, can, no, New yeah, York think, wasn't it? No, I think he moved to Concordia, Concordia, or McGill. again, basic facts. Yeah, he moved because he yeah he finished his degree in Montreal, so yeah. it's either McGill okay. or so Concordia. yeah he, it was yeah no but so he got a degree in religious studies and it's like Mormonism for me is one of the key like foot foot soldier religions one where you it's your kind of duty right you go on um what are they called um not quest but you like you go pilgrimage no no it's like when you it's like you go to africa and you spend like a year there and you, oh, you like try to missionary, missionary. you go on missions that's it so like you go on missions right and like that's uh that's what i think like this is about it's like it's like uh you left while i was sleeping to go on your mission like your mission is like to convert people and I mean, it, this was almost a ridicule, right? Because it says, like, oh, you don't even know what the Bible says. You follow what the leaders tell you to do, but you don't actually – that's all what the Bible says. You you interpreted the Bible, like, differently than it should be, right? Like, that's mm. – Yeah, I, I, I like that. Um, what I was thinking was, like, is this our is this our Leica going off on their grand adventure and leaving the narrator to try and change because they couldn't stand it and left um, – yeah, I think I think that's 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 more. For me, it's like that. It's down to me to change the yeah. world. Yeah. No, definitely. Um, and yeah, like you were saying, that the narrators tried to understand and tried to resolve the conflict without in getting into a war, but they definitely see that the adults 
see their own interpretation of what otherwise should be something promoting goodness. And it's saying that it's not, I suppose, good. So just just let it go. And it's getting kind of angry. I mean, he's swearing under his breath, which we don't get a lot in Arcade Fire songs, um, which that is a big thing why I think this is not like another thing. This is for an angry version of the suburbs that would have been in tone neon bible too because there's there's yeah there's no swearing on the on the suburbs yeah no um which yeah it's too angry that tone we never really get on the suburbs um yeah so i mean talking more about the southern strategy i'm kind of like brought up to like the idea of like the jim crow right because in the u.s like in civil, the, the, it became illegal to the discriminate. Emancipation Proclamation made slavery illegal. But that was like, again, I'm not a U.S. historian, but I'd say the 1860s. Uneducated. Unadvised. Uh, I'd say about the 1860s. But the thing was, even in the 1960s, we had what were called Jim Crow laws. And these were like societal standards that the South kind of held itself to, like the white kind of in power self held it to, in which they uh, said like, oh, like a black person has to walk on this side of the street away from me if he sees like a white woman. Or they say you can't like segregated schools and segregated like all these other things. Like they thought they had won with like when, with the Emancipation Proclamation, but they didn't. It's like the society rules. It's like this, this sort of conservatism, right? Like this is the culture war. It's like holding on to your traditions versus being progressive like that's the the southern strategy like that's why i I see yeah because i mean that was obviously it was mainly in the south right that's where the jim crow laws were no definitely and that like that's the ultra conservative not letting go of the past Mm -hmm. um and and again like that specificity and angrier tone is like this exists in its own right separate from the album Mm -hmm. you want to take the next uh the next bit okay these are different times that we're living in because these are different times. Now the kids are growing up so fast, they're paying for our crimes. So that's just the same as before, mm-hmm. of course. Then um, the dominoes, they never fell. The bodies, they still burn. Uh, throw my hand into the fire, but still I never learn. Will I ever learn? Which is kind of the closest thing musically to a bridge that we have. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that the dominoes, like... Obviously referring to the famous pizza plot place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, yeah, it's Domino's has been a pizza chain for years. It's never fell. Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a pillar in which we build our society of consumerism on. Classic Southern Domino's strategy. <laughs> anyway, um, I think that Domino's like, Domino's aren't necessarily like a house of cards or a house built on sand. They're like, dominoes can set up something beautiful, but what that beautiful thing is that it's kind of all or nothing. Because if a single piece falls, it all falls. And even if it could have been cool and good and beautiful, it's all or nothing. But it didn't fall because we're still at, we're still in the suburbs. And we think that if they do fall, something bad will happen. But as we know on the suburbs, they eventually will, but nothing really happens. You know, all the houses they built in the 70s, all these dominoes finally fall, and it means nothing. But right now, it means so much, and they stand for so much. They stand for their parents being trapped in their lives and their life and their mindset, and it's burned so many hearts and bridges and bodies. At least they think so. And the narrator says that they've tried to burn in him that sense of 
um, if we happen, if we try and change, there's going to be these burning results. But the narrator is like, yeah, I don't, you you know, you tried to burn me, but I, I don't see it. I don't see the fire happening. I, I haven't learned. You know what I mean? Yeah. For me, this one's kind of like the, the burning. It's kind of like a kid-like element. And like, this one could be a suburbs moment where it's like you put your hand on like the oven and not the, like the stove top and you accidentally burn yourself. But it's like, oh, yeah. Then you do it again, like. 10 days later because you never learn i'll never yeah. learn <laughs> like, but so like I, I, when you throw your hand into the fire it's yeah like, that's uh, that's definitely uh that's definitely or even like you throw your hand in the fire like you know you can pass your hand through the fire very quickly and nothing nothing burns but um yeah my party trick just go yeah. up to a beach bonfire and like, throw hey, your hand through it <laughs> yeah it's actually um an Iranian tradition on Persian New Year, or the night before, um, I, I should I should know this. Um, you run and you jump over a fire. How uh, big of a fire? Like enough that you can run and jump over it if you're a kid. Um, a kid, like it's a yeah, it's like a it's a celebration kind of thing. Anyway, which is another thing I was thinking. I don't know, like you know Pentecost. It's a type of church. No, no, no. It's like uh, the end of the Easter. The end of the Easter. The way Christmas ends with Epiphany, the Easter season ends with Pentecost, where the fire of the Holy Spirit came down and touched the apostles, um, which I think could also mean that like their bodies still burn with that religion and with like what they think is the fire of the Holy Spirit, and they've tried to throw him into that, but he doesn't learn. And kind of will will I ever will I ever kind of see that you know maybe they are right maybe there is a fire the bodies are burning but I don't see it right now you know what I mean yeah all right um, these are different times sorry that these are different times now the kids are growing up so fast and paying for our crimes we'll be soldiers for you mommy and daddy in your culture war we'll be soldiers for you mommy and daddy but we don't know what it's for we're soldiers now in the culture war. We're soldiers now, but we don't know what it's for. We're soldiers now in the culture war. We're soldiers now, but we don't know what it's for. So tell me what's it for. You want it? You got it. Here's your culture war. You want it? Now you've got it. So tell me what's it for. What do you think? Yeah, like I was, so this one's like what I was saying before about like Mormons and I guess Jehovah Witnesses as well going door to door. Just like they're the foot soldiers of like their religion, right? Of their culture. And like... But this is different. I mean, but thing is, and, then, and that's, for most people, get into religion the same way, right? They get into religion because, oh, my parents mm-hmm. were this, right? And then you grow up like that. So it's like a lot of people, when you're young. Firstborn Christians. When, when, you're, when, you, when, you, when you're young, you don't, you don't know why you're doing this. Like, it's, it's like the idea of God in the afterlife is, life is something that's obviously, it's like really tough to comprehend as a child. So when you're saying, like, when you, you are, when your parents tell you to go to a church event or whatever, right? That's like, that's. That like we'll be your soldiers, mommy and daddy. Like that's, I mean, the narration on there, like mommy and daddy. It's such a kid way of saying your parents, right? Yeah, that, that's like that's it's um, that's really emotional too, right? Like of like that's that again, it's kind of like the narrator kind of shifts, right? Who they are. Yeah. And um, like as a kid saying mommy and daddy will be soldiers for you, but then because that's like we'll be versus the next one is we're now. Yeah. Um. In the culture war, um, but then, yeah, like, but the war later on, I think it's like saying to their parents, if you're going to alienate us so much from, from you 
and you want to start a war because earlier we were saying like they tried to try to understand but they didn't and so here we are you know things like like in an easier metaphor like the religion is a big one but something like you know oh no son of mine will have a haircut like that which is like on the scenes from the suburbs the police officers say to the kids about their long hair and kind of like condescendingly talk about that and on suburban war they use the the long hair as the symbol of you know fighting the fight against the suburbs when they say cut your hair never saw you again as a someone moving on um and i think these are like the kind of acts of defiance and the sort of things they're doing in the culture war which is a very arcade fire reaction of like whatever you say i am i am and we end they end up kind of saying that i'm not compromising and if you can't see the error of your ways then we're in a culture war and like why why can't you let it go leave the negativity in the past but if you can't like i'm sorry i didn't like i tried to understand but we're in a war yeah i agree like i mean i was just thinking right now it's one of those like thoughts mid podcast Mm -hmm. which is why we're doing it yeah we're doing it it's interesting because you think um I mean, like, they've obviously written songs about 9-11, right? We were talking about Antichrist blues, right? And, like, mm-hmm. the idea of the buildings downtown. And now I'm thinking, like, paying for your parents' crimes would be... So back in, like, the 80s when the U.S. and the CIA, they funded the Mujahideen, right? To fight yeah. the fight to fight um, the Soviets in, Russia, in Afghanistan. And then it turns out, like, 20 years later, all those people that they paid to fund and teach how to... Um, fight the Russians, they actually became like terrorist sects, right? They turned into like the Taliban and Al Qaeda in Iraq, right? So, and Afghanistan, like the people that are still, that people that were fighting today were the people that we were funding before, the generation before, right? So that that's us paying for the parents' crimes, right? It's like you tell these kids once the, the planes at the tower, it's like, oh, it's time to go and fight across the world, right? To, for America's freedom, right? Mm-hmm. And, but the, re- and the reason you're doing it and kind of is, I mean, you're doing it because your parents tell you, because your country tells you, but it's like the reason we have to do that partly is because of the crimes of our parents paid in the past or the, the culture war that our parents paid in the, fought in the past against, like, the Soviets' idea of, like, how that has led to where we are now. Mm-hmm. And even, like, the the way people say, like, the baby boomers, that culture of consumption now, like, the economy, especially, like, the 80s, that the economy now like is was lower and we're, the recession is a result of someone else's sins and now we're paying the price or even yeah. like I think we can find yeah, lots of examples where yeah yeah the next, of, the of next... that sort of thing yeah or like the environment um, the, the way like people treated the environment now we're paying for it and um, yeah uh, I th- you should give us a metric I've been giving them for the last couple episodes what do you have uh, I have southern strategies okay southern strategies how many how many I got three and a half out of five. Okay. I, I, I gave this one pretty high. This is a, I, this is like one of my top B-sides. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess it's not really a B-side, like we said, it's because it wasn't released on the second side of a single vinyl, like a lot of the other ones we've been doing. But of the outtakes and the non-album songs that we've had, this is like, this is a top one for me. I think musically, it just fits so perfectly with the suburbs and I like it and it's really easy to listen to. It's like, 
I'd say like you you keep saying like it's not not even an outtake because they didn't really consider putting it on mm-hmm. because I think you're right the tone is not with the rest of the album and, like one of the, one of the reasons that Suburbs did so well was it's so cohesive as an album yeah. right and I think if you thrown this on it would have kind of thrown the themes off of it yeah but musically I just think it's just easy to listen to I think there's obviously a lot of content there lyrically that I'm this it's a it's a this is one of my top underappreciated. So it's like, you know, like everyone like like Wake Up isn't underappreciated. No. I think it's appreciated the right amount because it's yeah. a really great song. <laughs> this one though, it's like it's just like kind of snuck in under the radar, mm-hmm. you know. But Yeah, I think musically like it's very angry. Like the guitar that's just the whole and then like it's almost like a dance or a march because it has the constant like the yeah. whole time and that really like creates like it's, like, it's got the hand clapping at the start right? yeah which is interesting because it's like that's not really an arcade fire like I, I know lots of indie bands who who love a good clap you know like, yeah to, to put a clap in their song and yeah um <laughs> yeah so i have five out of five southern bridges wow i love it and i was thinking like like, say, like, I really like speaking in tongues. And, I mean, we'll see what I give that. It's probably going to be – it's likely going to be high as well. But going into this, like, at first I was around, like, a three and a half thinking, like, that this, if it was on the suburbs, would be good and it's underappreciated. But then what jumped it up for me is that kind of thinking, like, this is its own album. And – like I can't compare it to the suburbs or songs on the suburbs because this is almost like this would have been the culture kind of thing, and um, I think I think it exists in its own right. Which say like um, uh, Burning Bridges or Broken Window, I think are kind of watered down versions of their respective albums. But yeah. this is complete and cohesive and on par with some suburb songs, but is not a suburb song. I like that. Yeah, I think it is on par with some of the suburb songs, but yeah. just wouldn't fit in. Yeah. Where, where is your right? Burning Bridges and Broken Window, not not high enough, high enough level to make it onto the album. Yeah. Um, yeah, next week's, next week, more suburbs, out of the C's and into the D's. Kasparov, Deep Blue, 1996. Pandehini, Deep Blue, 2018. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll see you next week. Bye.